This is our number three, our final hour of 2015 here on the John and Leah Show. This is the program where each and every Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And currently, in our review of the crazy year that was 2015, uh, Leah and I have uh, both created the top 10 lists, although somewhat different in our criteria, <laughs> the top 10 lists uh, of the stories we want to talk about from 2015. We're currently going through Leah's list. Mine is yet to come. Uh, we have already done the first three on Leah's top 10 list. Uh, they were as follows. The Dress, the same-sex marriage ruling, and Cecil the Lion. What is number seven on your list of top 10 stories from 2015, Leah? Okay, so number seven is the new Star Wars movie. And basically, the geeks win in 2015. As of this weekend, I believe it has already grossed more than a billion dollars. It's the biggest opening of all time in North America. But I really think... It's a media-fueled sensation. Um, I'm not sure that everyone who saw the movie was dying to see the movie. This is just one of those things where you don't want to feel left out. Everyone thinks the Star Wars movie is going to be this great movie, and so you obviously have to think it's going to be this great movie, or else you don't fit in. So I say the sensation just feeds itself. Well, I haven't seen the movie. Um, I, my guess is you're right. For that many people to see anything in our culture now, <laughs> there has to be uh, some sort of media filled or fueled sensation right uh, and that's the way human beings work now we don't go see something because it's really awesome we go see it because other people are seeing it therefore we feel like we have to see it otherwise we're either missing out or we're not cool or whatever exactly um, and that's probably what's happening to a large extent with star wars the thing that amazes me most about star wars is that the 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 idea that if you start back in what what was the first year 1977 76 when the first movie came out something like, like that okay it's just amazing if someone had said to you all right here's what's going to happen we're going to create a series of movies mm-hmm. over a 40 year period of time okay and the ones in the middle are going to be just horrible and they're also going to be out of order so we're going to do we're going to do part four five and six and they're going to be okay uh probably ever diminishing each one and then we're going to do part one two and three that are going to suck ass then we're going to wait a long time and we're going to switch directors and we're going to get part seven and part seven is going to make more money than any of the other films i think people would say you're crazy um so I, yeah. Society is searching for something. Meaning, I'm telling you, yeah. our lives are empty. Right. They're just empty. <laughs> exactly. So anything – no, you're 100% right. That's why Christmas <laughs> is the way that Christmas is. I mean, mm-hmm. we are constantly in search of meaning, in search of something special. And for a you know, pretty good segment of society, for this uh, end of the year, it's been Star Wars, which, you know, again, is harmless. Yeah. Uh, but I wish we would have that kind of passion for stuff that actually mattered. Uh, and it was good, because my, my sense is that it's probably not even that good. Right. Uh, all right, number six on your list. Okay, number six is the nuke deal with Iran. And I know that that is like such a snooze fest 
uh, when you hear that. But, you know, if the media, if the mainstream media honestly had put in, say, even a one one hundredth of the attention and the due diligence that they put in to try to find no stories about Muslims on top of roof rooftops in New York City on 9/11. <laughs> right. If they put just a smidgen of that into this story, uh, I don't think the deal would have gone through because the outcry would have been outrageous for what we gave away with this deal. So. This was a this was a media miss, and that's why I put it on the list. No, I, I agree that it deserves to be on the list of, of biggest stories of the year, and frankly, most underreported stories of the year, because I think that it is very likely that in 10, 15, 20 years, we're going to look back on that deal as an utter catastrophe for yes. Western civilization of epic proportions. And I guess from a political standpoint, what I find amazing about it is if Republicans aren't willing to stop this, are able to stop this, then what can they stop? And even more interesting than that, if Jews aren't going to leave the Democratic Party over this, Amen. what are they going to leave the Democratic Party over? It's, it's like, hello, is anybody home? Yeah, it's amazing to me. Utterly, they, they, they clearly are brainwashed, and I don't get it. It's It's far more baffling than any other demographic group. Uh, yes. Politically, to me, uh, is how it is that Jews have have um, you know basically allowed themselves to be uh, completely taken advantage of by the Democratic Party, as Obama has essentially farted in their faces uh, with uh, no support for Israel, and then now this Iran nuclear deal. It's just it's he just has an, contempt an, for yeah. Israel. It's not no support; it's contempt. Right, right. Uh, number five on your list. <laughs> is also on your list, I believe. It's Clockboy. The story of Clockboy comes in at number five. This is one of those media sensations you were talking about where the media completely gets it wrong. Well, for those who may not remember, just, just why don't we summarize a little bit. So this was the, the kid in Texas who brings in a clock into school, or at least what he <laughs> says is a clock into school. That he made Ach- it home. Right, Ahmed. Um, and, and apparently, from what we can tell, he goes to several different teachers telling them, hey, take a look at my clock. That's uh, in my suitcase. That kind of looks like a bomb. <laughs> and... They, and it counts down. And they get nervous, <laughs> and he gets questioned by police. I, was By the way, do we know, was he ever actually arrested? I don't know. He was, he was handcuffed. He, he was, was not arrested. All right. Well, so he's detained, yes. not, not officially arrested. I know what that feels like. Um, I've, <laughs> I've had that happen to me. Um, there is an important distinction between detained and arrested. So, um, and then, you know, that then the president tweets about it. In that five, afternoon. In, uh, amazingly fast. I mean, amazingly fast. This is a president who took five days to figure out that San Bernardino was a terrorist <laughs> attack. And within 15 minutes, he's tweeting support for a kid in Texas who no one knows anything about the story at all. Um, and it turns out he gets invited to the White House. And now he's, I mean, you couldn't make up the, the story that's happened since. Uh, you know, he goes from... 
uh, you know, take, having his picture taken with the uh, the the butcher of Darfur. Mm-hmm. Um, his family's now living in Qatar. They're mm-hmm. suing the school district for fifteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now learned that his dad is very much into Middle Eastern politics, and that his sister may have been involved in a very similar situation prior to this. And basically, basically, bottom line is our initial gut reaction was that this was a setup. Yes. Appears to have been 100 percent vindicated. Not that the mainstream news media would ever even consider that possibility because they would look like the idiots that they are. Right. That Uh, whole thing went away. All it was was that he had been uh, profiled and it was and, uh, you know, the poor thing. And then once it was found out that it may not be exactly what we think, whoop. Uh, crickets. But not only crickets, but he still got his visit to the White House. I mean, I know. what? I mean, that to me is it's it's similar to that you know Tom Cruise Scientology documentary analogy right. I made. What, I mean, what do you have to do to get disinvited from the White House? He could have been seen with a backpack full of bombs, and it wouldn't have changed. But. But if he had appeared in an NRA commercial, he probably would have gotten, you know, immediately, <laughs> immediately ousted from from the White House <laughs> invitation list. All right. All right, we'll continue. That's true. We'll continue with Leah. There are some lines, right? There are some lines. <laughs> uh, we'll continue with Leah Brandon's list of the biggest stories of 2015 when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. We're reviewing the crazy, wacky, wild year of 2015 with our top 10 lists, which were defined rather differently. Uh, Leah Brandon is going through her top 10 list. We're currently on the number four story of 2015 that you want to mention, Leah. Which one is that? Okay, so uh, I'm switching. You're switching. Why? <laughs> yes. No one's my squ- number. My my number four story is Kim Davis. Okay. We know Kim Davis. Uh, she is the Kentucky County clerk uh, who refused to sign the same-sex marriage certificates. Okay. Right. Remember, right. she didn't want her name on them. Uh, now the media coverage of this was outrageous and just crushing. It was so unbelievably overblown uh now i find it fascinating because it kind of dovetails with my other story about the same-sex marriage ruling where if you if you were uh against it not against it but maybe for traditional marriage you were demonized and kim davis was caught up in that and then when the media came to, to see her, I think she just basked in the glory of the media and took it over the edge. So this story for me is number four because it was so ridiculous. Fair enough. All right, number three. Okay, number three is Donald Trump. And <laughs> we'll get to him later. Oh, okay, so you just want to skip over him and talk about We're him? We're skipping him. All right, So because uh, he's on my list too. All right. So, I know he is. All right, so Trump, Trump is on both <laughs> of our lists. So that's yeah. number three. So what's number two? 
Okay, the Pope visit is number two. Now, the reason why, of course, this is a big story, but from a media standpoint, it was just ridiculous. The coverage of this visit. And the reason is because the media is very left slanted. Really? I, yes. I had and not so picked up on that. The left, the Democrats, they are the party that booed God at the Democratic convention. And let's not forget that one of the biggest planks in their platform is abortion. And so when the Pope comes, the Pope shows up and acts like a progressive. And they slobbered all over the Pope. And then, and then when it was revealed that the Pope had visited with Kim Davis, you know, the devil over there in Kentucky. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they had to go and destroy the media, went after the Pope's inner circle to either accuse him of lying or they misled the Pope or whatever because there's no way he would have met with her. Bless so. Me, Right, right. That's number two. All right. And now hold on. Now, and I, let me let me just say a couple things about that. I agree with you totally that the media coverage of the Pope's visit was not only overdone; it was so overdone that my three-year-old daughter, who we have never discussed the Pope with at all, mm-hmm. was willing was able to look up at the television set and go, "Oh, that's the Pope. I like him." I mean, that's how. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not an exaggeration. That's exactly what happened. But. If the Pope had decided to make his, you know, primary points of discussion while being here, abortion yes. a- and traditional marriage, there right. would there would have been crickets. I mean, there would have been no coverage at all. Instead, he's making it socialism and global warming, and so therefore it's oh, we love him, we love him. I mean, he, he's clearly a politician who was, you know, kind of like you were somehow saying, crowned. Well, he was <laughs> no, but he was. He's clearly in love with with the media loving him. I mean, he's a human yep. being, and human beings love to be loved, and that's what often happens when it comes to people when they get good media coverage. They yeah, will never do, mind that silly old Bible. Right. They never will, mind that. They will do what it takes to keep getting the good media coverage. All right. So that's uh, number two. What's number one on your list? Okay. Number one is to me the biggest story of the century, and that is it's a conglomeration of ISIS, uh, the refugees, our visa fails, uh, the open borders. To me, it's not just about terrorism. It is, without question, we have seen this year more than any other, what Barack Obama meant when he said he wanted to fundamentally transform America and it's really clear that he wanted to do it by demographics and uh, people who don't speak our language. And that's what he's doing. And ignoring this little terrorism thing, he could care less about terrorism. You mean the JV squad? Yeah, the JV squad. ISIS. Uh, his inaction has allowed ISIS to become what they are. And then once ISIS even makes their presence known in France, he tells people in France it's a, quote, setback. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing to me that the president has not gotten any real significant political blowback. On for, anything. For, for, <laughs> no, but for his most recent statements, which were ridiculous uh, mm-hmm. on uh, the issue of terrorism. All right, my top ten list when we come back. 
on the uh, John and Leah show as we recap 2015 on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And since this is our last Sunday night program of 2015, we are reviewing the wacky year that was 2015. Leah Brandon just uh, did her top 10 list of the biggest stories of 2015. I'm going to do my list of the craziest stories of 2015. And what I mean by this, Leah, is... Stories that keep within my theme of us having left the gravitational pull of the rational earth, where, where it just doesn't make any damn sense, and it's, it's comically upside down. And, okay. And, and so that's, that was where I was going with this, with obviously a, 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 um, an emphasis on stories where the media blew it out of proportion or just plain blew it in some way, shape, or form, or had an an important influence on the story, since that's obviously something that we focus a great deal on on the John and Leah show, since we know a lot about the news media, and because we both realize that the news media is fundamentally and completely broken and is impacting nearly every aspect of American life. So with that said, here's my my top ten list, and and number ten really is representative of of a number of stories that we discussed on the John and Leah show okay. where where white people, usually white authority figures, usually white police officers, got hosed because because <laughs> they were white and they got themselves in bad situations. But the one that, that I thought was the craziest and why I put it number 10 on the list was the story out of South Carolina of the school police officer named Ben Fields who ended up getting fired because a video of him pulling a black girl out of a a chair in in a classroom went viral. And despite the fact that a teacher and an administrator were there in the room with him and backed him up 100%, and despite the fact that the principal of the school was black, and despite the fact that the kids in the school, many blacks, rallied for the police officer, this guy got fired, and making it worthy of the list of the craziest stories of 2015, Don Lemon of CNN, a black gay uh, anchorman for CNN. And so that's a double, double, double media protection whammy. Right, right, exactly. You're black. You are a black gay. Uh, person on CNN, you have plenty of PC protection there, uh, <laughs> and he got a petition, a petition written to fire him because, get this, as a journalist, not that they have any real journalists at CNN, but okay. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote, journalist at CNN, because, get this, he did not rush to judgment in condemning the white police officer. <laughs> And by the way, Raven from The View had the same thing happen to her because she's kind of black and she didn't rush to judgment against the white police officer either. Now that, to me, deserved to be 
at least on the list, and that's why I put it at number 10. But it was, re- it, w- it was representative of, I think, other stories that were similar as well. It was just the most egregious and the craziest. Many of these have to do with the realm of race, because that's one of the areas where we go nuttiest. And number nine, I think, certainly was an example of that. What a, what a bizarre world we live in. The Rachel Dolezal story. Where, the white black girl? Yes. The, so we actually had this year, we found out that a person who was the president of a fairly significant chapter of the NAACP <laughs> was not just white, she was completely white pretending to be black. Now. And it was all okay. That's what the most amazing part is. She didn't resign immediately. And in Mm-mm. fact, in fact, many people on the left actually defended her. Now, now we're living in a world where if you're a white person and you wear a costume on Halloween of a black person, <laughs> you get fired. Okay? That is so true. Right? So on Halloween, on Halloween, you're not allowed to, to even pretend to be a black person unless it's somehow politically correct. And here she is going through her normal life, pretending to be black. To Stealing be, jobs right. from black people. Thank you. And representing yourself as a leader of the NAACP. And then when it comes to, it becomes out, you don't do an immediate mea culpa. You actually try to ride out the storm and much of the left defends you. Now that that's number nine on my list of the craziest stories of 2015. Number eight, the Freddie Gray story, which we have not talked enough about. And frankly, I don't think any element of the news media, including the conservative media, has talked enough about. Here's the bizarre world nature of the Freddie Gray story. This is the Baltimore story. So we're now living in a world, Leah, where we have the riots first. Yes. Then we have the settlements from the city, millions of dollars. Correct. Then we have the trial. (laughs) Which can't come to a verdict. Right, which turns out the first police officer in the Freddie Gray mess, who happens to be black, by the way, goes on trial. Allegedly, the guy they have the best evidence against. Reminder, we've already had massive week-long riots. And... The city has given millions of dollars to the six and a half million to the family of Freddie Gray uh, and and, and, I don't know whatever adjective you want to use, but not a stellar member of the community by any stretch Mm -mm. of the imagination. Drug dealer. Right. They've given him millions of dollars. They have a trial. And it's, it's important to keep in mind, you know, I mean, talk about pressure on a jury to convict. And yet, despite all of that, you already had the riots. You had the settlements. You've got everything on the on the side of the prosecution. They don't come to a verdict, and there's a hung jury. So <laughs> so that tells what that tells me, Leah. He's innocent. Okay. Which oh, yeah. Which of course was our instincts to begin with, because this yes. story made no damn sense. So a bunch of police officers conspire to somehow kill this guy Freddie Gray in in the back of a police a police van. I mean that makes no damn sense, especially when two of them are black. At least two of them are black. And so this, to me, absolutely deserves to be on the list of the craziest stories because everything is, you said it at the beginning of this, everything's upside down. We we have the riots first, then we give the money, 
Then we decide to try to have fair trials, which, of course, can't be fair. And and they refuse to move it. Right. And, and it's so obvious. It is so obvious to me that these police officers are being railroaded. And right. yet no one is coming to their defense. Nobody. And the mayor is not going to run for re-election. She's uh, out of there. Oh, oh, by the way, it's impo- I'm glad you mentioned the mayor because the entire city is made up of black leaders. I mean, yes. I mean, so how the hell? Do, how the hell does this this culture of racism filter down to where they're going to kill this black drug dealer for no apparent reason? I mean, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. But that's the world we're living in now, folks. And that was why it's number eight on the list. All right. When we come back. In our final segment, we'll run through the uh, final seven on my list of the craziest stories of 2015 on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is our final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show, as well as our final segment for this year of 2015. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. In honor of this being our last show of 2015, we're going through um, my list of the top 10 craziest stories of this wacky year. Number seven on my list, Leah, uh, is Deflategate. Oh, God. And Deflategate deserves to be on the list because there is never (laughs) in the history of stories has there ever been more media attention paid to something that had zero impact on anything. Exactly. On anything. It was a story that didn't have any impact on the game in which it happened with the Patriots and the Colts and the AFC Championship game last season. Then we talked about it all year long just so that – that media people could talk about Tom Brady's balls. He got suspended. Then the suspension rightly got uh, got taken away. And, you know, the Patriots look like they're or they're going to be in the playoffs. They're probably about a 30% chance to make the Super Bowl. Um, but the dumbest story of all time had no impact on anything at any time. And yet thousands and thousands of major media hours were spent covering Deflategate. Yeah. Uh, because you don't have to go very deep. It's just all right there. You don't have to use any brain power. So that's where we are. Celebrity and balls. That's all you need. You got a story right there. Uh, number six, Caitlyn Jenner. Here, oh, God. Here we have a situation where a former male <sighs> decathlete Olympic champion from 1976 decides he needs to get more attention and he has some sort of uh, disorder, in my opinion, and he decides to become a woman. Okay, fine, whatever. Now, he doesn't, by all accounts, get the surgery to remove his male genitalia. So yeah, call me when that happens. Right, so he's basically just cross-dressing with some, he, yeah. with some hormone therapy. He gets treated like a flippin' hero. In fact, we don't treat our war heroes remotely like Caitlyn Jenner got treated. That's right. Gets an award from ESPN for Courage, the Arthur Ashe <laughs> Courage Award. And oh, by the way, <laughs> during all this, don't tell the media, he's under investigation for having killed somebody in a car accident. That was his mm-hmm. fault or her fault, whatever now. And oh, by the way, people are getting in trouble constantly for calling him a him when he still has... Male genitalia. Thank you. And by 
calling him him. Correct. I, it's it's that absolutely is one of the craziest stories of all time. I just don't but, refer at all in that direction. <laughs> but but that's how crazy this year is, Leah. That's only number six. Number five. The whole University of Missouri situation that occurred a couple months ago, uh, the bottom line on this is you have a spoiled brat, child of a multimillionaire, lie, probably, about having racial epithets thrown his way. Narcissist. Goes on a hunger strike. A black homecoming king and class president, a lot of discrimination Mm -hmm. there, uh, decides to lead this whole charge that somehow... The people at the University of Missouri are racist. The football team decides to go on strike because they suck. And everybody caves and lets them win. The president of the university resigns. And it sets off a whole series of insane situations at our alleged uh, institutions of higher learning, showing that this generation is a bunch of wussy, spoiled morons. And I attention seeking narcissists. I actually think the University of Missouri story is underrated as far as its long term implications. I really let's bring it on uh, 2016. uh, Bring it on. I I think we're going to see more craziness in that realm because that ain't stopping. That ain't unfortunately ain't stopping. Number four on my list is uh, Ahmed, the clock boy, which we've already discussed. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just amazing to me that that story. Uh, took the track that it did. I mean, it's almost, a, it's an onion story. It's an onion story, yet the mainstream news media still thinks it was real. Uh, number three, uh, the tragic shooting in South Carolina, which had nothing at all to do with the Confederate flag, causes the Confederate flag to not just be removed there, oh, yeah. but almost everywhere to the point where Bubba Watson, a <laughs> golfer, a golfer, who bought the General Lee, announces publicly he's getting the Confederate flag taken off of the General Lee. Because Sell the car, you stupid idiot. Because some nut job decides to kill a bunch of black people in South Carolina, which was obviously horrendous and tragic and horrible and all that. But why? Because there's one picture in an enormous manifesto where he's holding the Confederate flag. And by the way, we gave him exactly what the bastard wanted. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ex- oh, yeah. Exactly what the bastard wanted. And uh, I mean, the, the idea that the Confederate flag uh, ended up being the scapegoat for that thing to the extent that it did. And the oh, they're com- taking down all kinds of statues. I, I, they want to erase Stone Mountain. I, I, <laughs> it's just crazy. The, the, the University of Mississippi announced you can't fly the state flag of Mississippi <laughs> at the University of Mississippi because it's got. Part of the stars and bars in it. I mean, so crazy. That's why it's on the list of the craziest stories of 2015. Number two, um, partially because of its significance, but also just because it's just such flat out hilarious to me. With regard, not obviously the attacks of San Bernardino, which were incredibly tragic, but that we have a president of the United States that looked at the situation in San Bernardino, and it took him five days to determine that that was not workplace violence. Yep. That is flat out unbelievable. I mean, and, 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 and then received almost zero political blowback because we had to immediately talk about Donald Trump. Uh, banning Muslims when he's become when he never becomes president because it's never going to happen. But uh, oh, we also we, had to talk about gun control, you know. Right, of course. But the 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 way that the president 
reacted and the way the media reacted to San Bernardino trying to pretend that that was not uh, we don't know what the motive is. We right. have no idea what the motive is. No idea. Could they be still don't have violence. a motive. Could be workplace <laughs> violence. Could be the most bizarre case of workplace violence in history. All right, that was number two. But the craziest story of 2015, without a doubt, and very likely could be the craziest story of 2016, is the fact that Donald Trump, as we speak, is the front runner to be the Republican presidential nominee. The very same Donald Trump who for most of his life was a Democrat, gave lots of money to Democrats, had Bill and Hillary Clinton at his third wedding, who was pro-choice, pro-Obamacare, pro-single-payer health care, pro-eminent domain, who has never been conservative on hardly any issue in his entire life, who is the most politically incorrect and unelectable person imaginable, who had a conversation with Bill Clinton just before he decided to get into the race, and who until recently has attacked every Republican candidate but hardly ever attacked Hillary Clinton. This is the guy. This is the guy who... At least not a, a majority, but a plurality of Republicans currently want to have as their nominee to face Hillary Clinton. That is something impossible to comprehend. And we have absolutely left the gravitational pull of the rational earth. And I'm talking from the standpoint, Leah, as you well know, as someone who loves lots of aspects of Donald Trump. I think Trump is hilarious. I enjoy watching him speak. I've met him backstage at the Today Show. He's publicly supported my work on the Penn State case. I love Slamming the, the media is so I, beautiful. I, I love the fact that he hates them. He's the only guy that, that hates the media at least as much as I do yeah. uh, because he knows them just as well as I do. So there's lots of reasons for me to like Donald Trump. But the idea that he is currently the quote-unquote frontrunner and might be the nominee, is by far the craziest thing that has ever happened in my lifetime. And I blame it on Barack Obama. Obama plays a big role, but I, but the part of the craziness of this story, Leah, is that this doesn't happen without Rush Limbaugh, without Mark Levin, without Ann Coulter, without Matt Drudge, without Sarah Palin, without Breitbart, all these people who have claimed and be perceived as hardcore conservatives who all sold out because Trump was good for their ratings and good for their book sales or good for the attention they were getting. And God bless them if he ends up being a nominee because they will have elected Hillary Clinton, which, by the way, some of those people I just mentioned may actually want that because it's in their financial self-interest for that. And it's just, I'll have it be noted that Glenn Beck has not been able to stand him since day one and spends his entire show saying why Donald Trump should not be the nominee. And I will counter by saying when Glenn Beck is your, your movement's bastion of credibility and integrity and courage, there's a problem because Glenn Beck is a fraud. No, he's I, not. Yes, he's absolutely a fraud. He's, a, he is a fraud. Just ask people in Louisville who knew him when he was a DJ there. Uh, he well, is, I mean, my he's, goodness. He's that was fraud. before he, he... Is, he is an actor. He came up with the whole I found Jesus and I was a drunk to, in order to erase his past. 
ass so people like you would believe he's a new person. He, like he, he became was a, a drunk. Right. He, yeah, he became a new person. <laughs> oh, he became a new person suddenly in his 40s and 50s. Right. Uh, <sighs> he's a great actor, though. I'll give him that. Glenn Beck's a great actor. Glad to have him. I'm glad to have him on his side. By the way, great. It's, when, you, when your goal is to save America, it's a great choice to go off a of Fox News channel and decide to have your own subscription service so you're totally cut off from the people who actually impact elections. Good job, well, Glenn. When you uh, can't do what you want to do on Fox yeah. News, now, if your goal you is, go strike no, out on if, your own. If your, goal is, if your goal is to save the world, that's not what you do. All right. Um, that's not how I intended to end the show. But <laughs> who do you think Alabama's going to play in the national championship game, Leah? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I think it'll be Clemson, Alabama, and uh, we'll talk about it. <sighs> Uh, when I, we have our first show of the new year, hopefully Alabama will be there for your sake. Leah, Leah, uh, <laughs> don't be worried. Uh, <laughs> have a happy new year. We'll talk to you next week. Pod- happy new year. Podcast at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Happy new year, everybody.